Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. The following recording is a production of Kicking Out at Two in conjunction with the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and is intended for private use only. For more information, head on over to Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two or our Twitter handle, at Out 2 along with searching Retromania with a W on any and all podcast platforms available to listen to archive shows such as this and all the great content of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Evergreen content at your fingertips anytime at your listening pleasure. And with that being said, we thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show. It's March, and it's marking out the day Season 3. Raw is 30 with a special watch-along this month as we, bring, we present to you, excuse me, easy for me to say, the March to WrestleMania 9. That's right. We scoured all of the month of March and, just, and determined which episode of Monday Night Raw we wanted to watch, and we just thought that there wasn't really anything intriguing about any of the episodes of Raw that month. So... We saw that the March to WrestleMania 9 was on the docket and actually took place in place of the last Monday Night Raw in the month of March. It was like the go-home episode before WrestleMania 9, so you can check that out with us here on Marking Out the Days. Season 3, Raw is 30. I am one half of the hosting squad, Dave Rosenbluth, and joining me as always, the architect, the mad scientist, the Dr. Frankenstein... Of Retromania himself, Kobe Nido. What's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, Dave? Thanks. Uh, back in the saddle again. Uh, third month here for our show. I love it. And yeah, like you said, it's it's essentially the go-home special for Wrestlemania 9. And all things leading up in our podcast universe as well. Um, deep in the archive, we got a lot of stuff centering around Wrestlemania 9, don't we? Yeah, we do. Last month, we covered Hulk Hogan's return to the WWF on the February 22nd, 1993 episode of Monday Night Raw. The month prior in January, we covered the inaugural episode of Monday Night Raw, celebrating the 30-year anniversary. As we continue this path of celebration on the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw, we're not covering a Raw, like we said. We're covering the March to WrestleMania, which actually aired March the 28th. 1993, which was a Sunday, and then there was a special replay of it in Monday Night Raw's place the following night on March the 29th, 1993, as the go-home episode heading towards WrestleMania 9. Got some fun stuff that we're going to discuss on this podcast this month. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about some notes that you have, Kobe, in the wrestling world, as well as myself from the Wrestling Observer, as we watch this match back, the show back, with all of you on the Peacock or Nefarious Means, whichever you prefer. Hey Dave, um, I, I'll be I'll be happy to tell you um, uh, I'm watching it straight up on the Peacock. Really? Yeah, I'm joining. Okay, you. I'd I'm love to hear your explanation you. as to why you've uh, you've changed your tune a little bit. Um, I couldn't find it on nefarious means, um, and it, okay. it it wasn't the right length either. So I wanted to be on time with you, and uh, I did the right thing. So you did the right thing. Well, I mean, you didn't do the wrong thing. I gave WWE was- my money. I'm sorry? I gave WWE my money in a roundabout way. You know, <laughs> It's been a long time since I've done that. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you'll be giving them your money to watch WrestleMania coming up. Uh, it's like I had the network for, like, years. I loved the network, but uh, Peacock yeah. just sucks. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Uh, no, it's 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 gotten slightly better. Mm. I'll say that. Some of the upgrades, at least on, on my Roku, it's gotten slightly better. Um, the fast-forwarding option isn't as um, slow, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the interface is still the same. Navigating and trying to find things is, is a little difficult. Like yeah. I searched March for rest. So what you, what yeah, let's, you let's guys explain will do how is we what get you're here. listening. Yeah. I'm sorry? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I trampled over you. But, yeah, let's explain how we even get to this on the Peacock because that was kind of confusing yeah, so for me as well. You'll have to go to the search bar um, where you see the, the, the little search um, magnifying glass, if you will, and you will have to literally type in March to WrestleMania, and you'll see other um, shows and movies and documentaries and things like that that begin with M-A-R. Um, and when you find March to WrestleMania, because it'll be pretty easy, it's two seasons. There's season one, which we're going to be watching, March to WrestleMania 9, and then there's season two, March to WrestleMania 10. Well, you're going to go season one, episode one, March to WrestleMania 9. This goes one hour, 33 minutes, and 11 seconds. It's going to be a 90-minute podcast here. We're not going to go off the rails completely and go two and a half, three hours with this watch-along. But this is a special occasion as we approach WrestleMania coming up uh, very shortly. Uh, matter of fact, uh, this weekend, this upcoming weekend, I should say. So um, uh, when you guys are all set and ready to go, we'll give you guys a countdown. We'll press play. We'll do the whole nine yards. I might even have the audio from time to time. I'll give you guys a timestamp, et cetera, et cetera, just like we do on these normal watch-alongs. And if you don't want to watch along with us and you just want to listen to Kobe and I you know, talk our ear off about 1993 professional wrestling, uh, then, then do that. That's that, that's really about it. That's really all I got for you. So I don't know. What do you got, Kobe? Uh, that's about it. I'm 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 ready to rock this. Let's uh, let's get into it. And you ready can... to rock this? Yeah. All can... right. Let's do the damn thing. Let's... This is Brett the Hitman Hart, and I wanted to uh, tell everybody to uh, listen to the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. It um <clears throat> it uh. It is one of the podcasts that does do Brett the Hitman Heart justice, and uh, their archive, you know, I heard their archive before they knew that they had an archive. Um, the Retromania is uh, probably one of the better podcasts about me. Um, so check out the archive. Um, deep cuts, um, you know. Let's do it in public, if you will. So, oh. March to WrestleMania 9, Season 1, Episode 1. 1 hour, 33 minutes, 11 seconds. When I say play, press play. And actually, I'll have the audio up for the opening um, as um, Vince and Bobby kind of give you a preview of what's to come on this episode of um, March to WrestleMania 9. So, without further ado... In three, two, one, hit play. I was present for the official contract signing of the big title belt 
between challenger Yokozuna and pro wrestling federation champion Fred the Hitman Hart. Gentlemen, please take your seats for the signing. I'm going to cut off the audio here as we see Vince and Bobby introducing us to the program. A little uh, recap of what took place, that contract signing. Uh, I thought that was a pretty interesting segment um, to get some heat on Yokozuna as well as uh, continue to show the fighting championship aspect of Bret the Hitman Hart. Yeah, that um, that definitely brought back some memories too on this road to WrestleMania. Um, I was a big Bret Hart fan, as you all know. Um, but you still are. Yes, but uh, this David versus Goliath situation, um, it really solidified Brett as the fighting champion, like you were saying. Um, and this role, even though we know what will happen at WrestleMania 9, um, Brett is still coming out of it um, a, fighting, a fighting champion with you know a, a lot of steam behind him, um, minus the fact that he will ultimately lose. Spoiler alert. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really piling on the heat and trying to portray an uphill battle for the champion. As we see um, Vince and Bobby previewing Undertaker and Bam Bam Bigelow to take place on this episode Hoss of match. March to WrestleMania 89, as well as Yokozuna and the Macho Man Randy Savage also scheduled for this show. Which, do you think um, they, they could have built that for a main event like of a pay-per-view? Macho Man. Yoko and Savage? Yeah. I think they could have. I think it could have been, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I remember, you know, as, as a young Dave Rosenbluth, as a, as a, a 10-year-old boy, um, wondering why Savage wasn't, you know, involved more wrestling-wise. You know, why they have him on commentary? Why, is he, why isn't he wrestling for the title? Or why, you know, because... You know, I was used to the formula of if Hogan wasn't around, well, then you had Savage. 
Mm-hmm. And so Savage was on TV, but just, he was in a, a, a really secondary role. Um, and I, I was kind of hoping that Yoko and Savage would have a more, um, a more detailed rivalry on WWF programming at that time. Yeah, that would have been nice, you know, uh, maybe something uh, with involving the title, too. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, is this essentially a number one contenders match or no? This year? No. I, I mean, it's I from what I gather, this was established that Yoko was obviously, you know, he, I mean, we just saw the clip. Yeah, he had signed the contract with Bret Hart. So Savage was just this was just a, like a like a tune up of sorts. For uh, for Yokozuna and a, a marquee matchup, if you will. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, it's. It, I thought I'm, I'm definitely going to need you to ha- uh, to do the audio for when the Mega Megan Maniacs show up later. Because, okay. Uh, there yep, is. Some, we, will, we will definitely have the audio for that. There is some nonsense going on there, but uh, man. Oh, I I I, I bet. Um, speaking of nonsense, um, from the March first, nineteen ninety three Wrestling Observer. The Ultimate Warrior filed a $5 million lawsuit against the WWF that week. One of the more interesting, interesting pieces of evidence is a letter from McMahon sent to Warrior that promises Warrior would always be the highest paid wrestler in the company. Huh. Would you like to share your thoughts on that? <clears throat> um, complete bullshit. This is when Warrior starts his uh, war against the WWF, but uh, Vince McMahon still sees something in him, and... As much as you want to, you know, bash the guy Warrior, I think at the time I I wanted to see him too. I remember his return, you know, later um, was exciting. And definitely his return after WrestleMania 8 you had a lot of hopes for. But, um, Uh man, did he ever win this this lawsuit? Um, I don't recall. I I do think he – I don't know if he won – I don't know exactly what he was filed, what, what, you know, what the circumstances were as, as to why he filed. I do know that, um, I don't know if this was part of this lawsuit or if it was a separate lawsuit um, that stemmed from this one, but Warrior uh, did win um, uh, in court over the trademark of the Warrior name because mm-hmm. he had changed his name to Warrior. Yes, legally. Move. I believe in the state of Arizona. So I do think that there was, he did, he did uh, receive some kind of compensation and a victory. Um, and the WWF was, was unsuccessful in, in, in that court battle uh, mm-hmm. with him. But I don't know the circumstances based on my notes surrounding why he, um, why he was suing them this time around. If you recall, he was let go. In the fall of 92, because he had failed a drug test, him and Davy Boy, uh, British Bulldog. So, um, I don't know if the lawsuit stemmed from that, if it was unlawful, um, uh, if it was an unlawful termination, I'm not sure. I, do, I, I don't have those notes on me at the moment. But, um, yeah, Warrior was, uh, he was, it, it, it seems like, a lot of the news that we we hear of him or we've heard of him in the past that he's he's more he's more trouble than anything else for the company. Yeah, um, and seemingly very insecure of his spot. So 
Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it shows when he returns at WrestleMania 12. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, well, I'll say this, that that whole, you know, best for business jargon that we've heard in the last several years that you hear, you know, on TV and, you know, a phrase that Vince apparently had used for so long um, came to fruition in 2014 when they inducted him into the Hall of Fame and pretty much just kind of let him be him. And it was it was all about um, highlighting him and bringing him back into the fold. But they also, but you know, they they didn't bring him back just to just to honor him either. They they brought him back because. They knew that they could make money off the intellectual property of the Ultimate Warrior brand. And, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, to this day, they still are. There's still action figures out. You know, I've bought several of them. <laughs> um, you know, merchandise and things like that. They had a plan in place before he passed away of of his role in the company and what they were going to do uh, with him moving forward. And, unfortunately, you know, the timing of it was terrible. You know, two days after he gets inducted, three days after he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, the day after he makes his last televised appearance in, 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 on Monday Night Raw in New Orleans, which I was there for, uh, he has a heart attack in a hotel room in, in Arizona, which yeah. I've always felt was kind of fishy. Why was, he, why was he at a hotel room in Arizona if he lived in Arizona? I didn't understand that. Um, yeah, not sure either. But then, but then I had heard stories too. There was, there was, a, there was a, a post that came out on social media a number of years ago from his brother, um, from Jim Helwig's brother. And his brother claimed that that Warrior um, had taken the, the, the offer from WWE to enter the Hall of Fame and, and signed that contract because there was no more money coming in. And his wife was, was threatening to leave him if, there, if, uh. if, the, if the gravy train had stopped. And... That's that. That was his alleged reason for why he returned. Hmm. Huh. Interesting stuff. There. But who knows if it just could be a bitter brother that didn't get a piece of the pie? I don't know. Yeah, there's it, it always could be stuff like a number that. Number things. Uh, well, at least uh, Macho Man's brother honored him, Lanny, um, till his dying day, which Lanny yeah. recently passed away. Yeah, yeah, recently, unfortunately. Um, he lived in South America. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was getting mad pussy over there. <laughs> Look at his IG. He's with a bunch of, like, young, hot women all the time. Really? Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to go check it out. Uh, I love... I believe, if I'm not mistaken, up, he still held some you, of uh, Randy was, Savage's... Um, Dave, that was, that was uh, disappointing. That was a perfect time for you to have a poem. About uh, getting Latin pussy in South America and being. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right. Let me let me think off the cuff here. Why don't you Why don't you call this match and and uh, give the give the audience a distraction while I try to come up with uh, a good genius poem, if you will. Absolutely. Um, yeah. This is this is interesting here. Being in North Carolina, Macho Man definitely gets a big pop from this audience, and it's a uh, you know it's southern regional area, but. Uh, Macho Man is always over because he wrestled in Memphis for a long time, and he's kind of a, considered a Southern wrestler brawler. So um, people are definitely okay. I got him. part one of the rap All or right. the poem. Okay. I moved to South America simply on a whim 
because the young, lovely Latina ladies like to lick the rim. <laughs> That's that. It's a work in progress, so this might yeah. stagger a little bit. Not gonna lie. <clears throat> Speaking of stagger, Yokozuna almost off his feet and Savage with an elbow drop. Ah, he's down to one knee. Yeah, <clears throat> this is huge here. The, the the fans are definitely behind him. And then this. Perfect. I loved it. Yeah, Fuji. Fuji, speaking of rim jobs, Fuji with the the, the flag right up <laughs> uh, Randy Savage's keister. <laughs> oh, yeah, I missed my Yokozuna. Randy Savage, though, selling ability. It, it's amazing in this. Definitely putting over the guy Yokozuna here. I loved it. And look how mad the fans are. Still pointing. Well, to he the knew guy. business. I mean, yeah. he 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 was he was all business, and to some degree that was a detriment to him because a lot of people felt that. I mean, he proved it when he left the company a year later, and went to WCW that he still had a lot left in the tank to contribute. Oh yeah, they treated him you know? like the man there. He was, he. I mean, he didn't miss a beat in my opinion until I would say probably. Like ninety eight. Yeah, when he started mid, doing mid ninety eight. When he in, when he got injured and hurt his knee, and then they put him in the Wolf Pack. When they split the NWO up, that was when like he started to lose a step. And then he they brought him back a year later. Gorgeous George. He had Gorgeous George and Medusa, and and he tried. You know, God bless him. He tried to reinvent himself with his look and try to be a little bit more modern. And unfortunately. Um, that wasn't his best work. I'll yeah, say father, father physically in the ring wins. as well as on the on the mic and uh, you know on the screen. Physically, he looked uh, he looked like super jacked. It was the biggest he had ever oh, yeah. been in his life. Um, but yeah, that's that's because of performance drugs. But here we go. He's going to squash Macho Man. No, I love that Macho Man with the perfectly timed dodge of the splash. Yeah, hey, that was pretty close. Yes, it was. Yeah. Came within Um, a... In other news, here on my notes, um, what we got? In the days before his death, Kerry Von Erich contacted many of his friends for no reason, just to hug them or tell them he loved them. A month ago, Von Erich reportedly talked to his probation officer about suicide, saying he missed his brothers and just didn't feel like going on. Oh. and refused to seek counseling when the probation officer recommended it. He had reportedly told other friends that he would kill himself before going to prison, and his father and wife both said he frequently talked about it, to the point that his wife hid all the guns in their house from him. On the afternoon of his death, Kerry went to his father Fritz's ranch and borrowed his Jeep, saying he needed to find a quiet spot to do some thinking. He also took a forty four Magnum handgun. Later, when Kerry didn't return, Fritz became worried because he knew Kerry was supposed to pick his daughters up from school. Fritz went to search the property and found the Jeep empty with Kerry dead on the ground nearby at the edge of the woods, having shot himself in the heart. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, I, I believe also, I think it was also the tree that his brother Chris had uh, committed suicide at. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I've heard that story as well. I think I have heard that story also. What a sad, what a sad time in wrestling, losing one of the legends um, from the '80s that kind of was part of that cable boom in wrestling. One of the one of the 
<clears throat> one of the crowns of it too because he won the title um, from Flair and had that that big feud. It had a lot of upside coming into WWF originally, but uh, wow, yeah, sad ending there. Yeah, very sad. I mean, Kerry probably from a cosmetic point of view had the best look um, and in terms of what worked in the WWF, um, he wasn't a, um, you know, he, he wasn't a Hulk Hogan, but he was pretty close in terms of physique as, you know, like the ultimate warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very sad. Unfortunately, um, I remember at 10 years old reading about it in like one of those after magazines that he died. And I believe the cover of the magazine like showed like all the brothers, um, you know, the Von Erich family is like, is there a Von Erich curse or something like that? Um, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's unfortunate. He had a lot of potential. Um, but I think that also too, like his personal habits with his, with his drug use, as well as the motorcycle accident where he had to get his foot amputated. I think that, uh, that, that prevented him from, from, from moving up the ranks. Like he, like the WWF, he, he peaked when he won the intercontinental title. Yeah. And that was it. Like he wasn't going to fill the shoes of a Randy Savage or a Hulk Hogan. Um, no, and he kind of he kind of teamed with Warrior too, but then you know both would go around the same time, essentially. Um, yeah, eh, just terrible loss. We see Mister Perfect and Skinner here, two technicians in the ring. You wouldn't know it looking at Skinner, but Steve Kern is uh, he used to be a pretty boy back in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> one half of uh was it the fabulous ones yes sir with uh with stan lane yep yeah so big uh, act in the awa florida yeah and coming in as the skinner character here it, it kind of lasts a while longer than i thought yeah i mean at this point i think he was used as you know kind of like an enhancement with a gimmick like i think this is where they were starting to you know phase him out um I mean, it's not like he had, like, a big role on TV to begin with, but um, they they pretty much just brought him to, to TV to, you know, help put, put people over. So, Yeah, um, that was happening, happening a lot in uh, the world of wrestling at the time, too, on the other side of the page in WCW. Um, people, oh, yeah? People getting brought in. Uh, Davey Boy Smith over there smashing Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Um, you get Bill Irwin coming in to do a job for Dustin Rhodes. Um, essentially, uh, we, you get Vinny Vegas, who we all know who that is, right? Kevin Nash. Yes, and before you continue, what's with Skinner using this belt to whip Mr. Perfect and the referee not calling for a disqualification? Wow. wow. I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, it's not go. like I've read the rule book before, but come on. Letting things go right there. I guess. I guess a little little freelance with the rules. But continue. Vinny Vegas, Vinny. we all know is Kevin Nash. Yes, indeed. Um, getting in there as a character teaming with Big Sky, who is also a, uh actor, Tyler Maine, who played Sabretooth in the X-Men movie. Um, oh, okay. Spent some time as I thought a, Big Sky was just some jobber that they found at a truck stop. Nah, uh, spent some time as an actor, too. But uh, him and Vinny Vegas... Um, 
getting defeated by Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas. So uh, Vinny Vegas doing some jobs essentially on his way out because the next week he's putting over uh, Davy Boy Smith. So interesting stuff there with Davey Boy Smith beating Vinny Vegas before they're even locking up in the WWF two years later. Also, yeah, and it would be a couple of months later that you know the the once Vinny Vegas would make his debut in the WWF, thanks with a little help from Shawn Michaels, Rick Steiner, um, Ole Anderson, and a fax machine. Yeah, <laughs> if you've ever heard that story before, um, I, I I believe so. Um, but. Yeah, um, Michaels was watching the story. The story that's out there was Shawn Michaels was watching WCW Saturday Night in in his hotel room, and uh, at the time the Steiners were were working in the WWF, and um, he asked Rick uh, and, and to inquire about uh, the big man, and Rick reached out to him and said that you know uh, Shawn Michaels got some interest working with you. And so Kevin Nash went into Ole Anderson's office at TV tapings and pretty much said, like, I want out of the business. I don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun. Whatever. He sold it pretty, you know, pretty good. And Ole Anderson gave him his release right on the spot. And then he took the release that was printed out, that was typed and printed out, and faxed it from Ole Anderson's office at the TV tapings in the arena Directly to Stanford and Vince McMahon, or Vince McMahon's assistant, and he was on a plane the next day, and the rest is history. <laughs> wow. So, as easy as that. Yeah. Um, on that same episode with Vinny Vegas and Big Sky doing the job, um, they they have the main event, Sting going against a jobber around the bend, Bruiser Mastino. Uh who would later become Dr. Isaac Yankum and then later Kane. So we get a brief preview of what it would be like to have Sting and Kane go against each other. It's like a five-minute match. The mayor of Knox County. Look at that. Yeah. Interesting. Making an appearance in WCW. Um, So it's an interesting time in in 1993 for sure on the American side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, any more news from the uh, Observer from Uncle Davey? Uh, yeah, I got plenty of notes and tidbits here. Um, while we're on the subject of uh, of, of interesting times, uh, the Berserker is gone from the WWF. Word is, is he cut his hair and he has a job selling cars in Minnesota and he's out of the wrestling business. Whoa. Which is quite ironic because... Um, few years back uh john nord who you know his real name uh who formerly portrayed the berserker in the wwf was arrested for his seventh dui (laughs) oh my god so uh it's kind of ironic that uh you know a guy that sells cars and has a car dealership um has has an issue with uh with consuming uh, adult sodas while he's driving. Wow. Well, no need to fear. He'll return next year in All Japan Wrestling as John Nord. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's right. You're the the Japanese wrestling guru, yeah. Yeah, he Um, comes back in 1994. So, uh, yeah. Nothing to see there, though. 
No, 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 I don't think so. Um, we see a commercial for Hulk Hogan, uh, WrestleMania 9, um, yeah, which is kind of the... fitting, too, considering um, Hogan's... Uh, Role? Uh, Hogan's role at that show is that we would find out. Seems like it's uh, all about him. Slick. Huh? I'm sorry? Doesn't it seem like it's built to be all about him? Yeah, at least in this ad, definitely. I mean, how could you not, in a sense, you know, hype it up that it's his return? You know? I, I mean, he was gone for a year for the most part. I'm not saying that, like, he had the whole show centered around him, but... You know, making him an important focal point. That's why they did label it a double main event. But um, some other news here. There had been some controversy surrounding the Yokozuna-Jim Duggan angle where Yokozuna squashed Duggan and draped the American flag over him. Oh, no. Um, some TV stations in the country refused to air it, deeming it in poor taste. One person in particular went to a judge to try to force the WWF to make a televised apology and said it is illegal for the flag to be desecrated in such a way. Your take on that? Mm, I mean, it's it's television. I I do see the the point, but we had the same thing going on with Sergeant Slaughter and Hulk Hogan uh, the prior year, right? So, yeah, a couple of years prior, yeah, yeah, he was an Iraqi sympathizer. I don't recall them beating down the door, wanting to shut shut down the, oh, the I th- WWF. I, I think that there was some small uh, small news. There could have yeah. about it, but yeah. Uh, the main thing is it's entertainment, pal. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? You know, it's interesting with wrestling, okay? You know, mainstream media, even though they've warmed up to wrestling a little more in the last decade or so, um, in terms of its legitimacy in, in forms of entertainment and athleticism, um, there's this, like, fine line with wrestling, you know? You can have movies and TV shows and things of that nature that cross the line and nobody bats an eye. But if you do it in wrestling, mm. they want to they want to pull the plug and, and 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 call cancel culture. You know, yeah. um, which is which is which is kind of interesting. But speaking of um, canceling, that's another segue and a plug for for more um, tidbits from the Observer. Uh, like for instance, Vince McMahon's lawsuit against Nails. It's pretty standard and simple. He's suing him for the physical attack, which which claims McMahon suffered pain and bodily injury as well as embarrassment and humiliation. He also claims Nails filed the false report of sexual assault, which was reported in the media and caused further anguish and humiliation. <sighs> Don't touch me, boss man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know. I think it was just... That's not a nightstick, big boss man. (laughs) I'm just happy to see you, pal. Listen. (laughs) Do you want a real push? Wink. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I hardly believe Vince McMahon. I don't know. No. I mean, he was into women, as we see, and spent an atrocious amount of money on them. But, yeah. Uh uh, There's more tidbits from the Ultimate Warriors lawsuit I have here. Okay. Um, Ultimate Warriors lawsuit against the WWF and Vince and Linda McMahon specifically is a little more interesting and full of a lot of details. The warrior claims he created the character, including face paint patterns and strings around his biceps back in Texas while working as the Dingo Warrior oh, yeah. and owns the rights to it. He also claims he was overworked and underpaid in comparison to other wrestlers of his popularity, status, and skill. 
He also introduced the letter from last week that says Warrior wouldn't be paid less than anyone else, including Hulk Hogan and all that fun stuff. He says that on August 26, 1991, McMahon failed to honor that letter, and when Warrior confronted McMahon about it, he was suspended. This is referring to the SummerSlam 91 incident when Warrior held up Vince before the match. Mm-hmm. Warrior claims that they renewed their relationship in 92 when he returned to the company at WrestleMania 8, but problems continued. Warrior wanted to open a gym, make a workout video, and release it on his own under the Warrior name. He claims Vince verbally agreed to this, but never put it in writing. On November 9, 1992, Warrior was fired. According to Vince McMahon, this is due to Warrior's alleged involvement in trying to import HGH, human growth hormone, Warrior says this is false. Warrior admits to using steroids throughout his career and says McMahon encouraged it and says McMahon himself continued to use them even after initiating steroid testing in 1991. Warrior says some wrestlers were punished for failing tests and others weren't. Warrior says he stopped using steroids when the testing began. He also claims Vince asked him earlier in 92 if he knew where to get human growth hormone and Warrior told him he didn't. Warrior also claims he has owed money for shows that he never received, as well as merchandise royalty payments that were less than what he has owed. He's asking to be paid for the events that he was booked to headline before he was wrongfully fired, as well as compensation for ruining his reputation by saying he quit before the Survivor Series show last year, when in actuality he was fired, and for them to not be allowed to say that anymore, a.k.a. quit burying him on TV. Mm. There's nearly three pages dedicated to all this, so I'm not going to retype <laughs> any more of the back and forth financials of it, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Wow. Um, I mean, just the ego of the guy, but it, it clearly shows that from like 1990, late, you know, early 91 until at least 94, Vince is going through a lot with talent in this steroid trial, the, the federal government um, breathing yeah. down his neck. It is truly. And I think when people say it's it was the dark ages of wrestling, I think it was just a dark time for Vince McMahon and the, the WWF in general. Not not everywhere. Well, else. it's not like WCW was putting out the best product either at that time. Let's be fair. True, but I mean they were just they were just coming off the heels of the controversial um, era of Bill Watts. True, and but they just Bill got Watts Ric Flair back. Been, they got Vader Bill Watts. Back. I think right around this time had been fired because of his. Um, his uh, less than favorable racial remarks um, that Hank Aaron, who was an executive for WTBS at that time, was made aware of. Yes, I, I, I believe that, but I think despite diehard fans around the time, they, they still preferred WCW in ring work because you had Shane Douglas, you had... Um, uh, Ricky Steamboat, you had Steve Austin, you had Brian Pillman, you had Sting, you had Vader. Now you got just Ric Flair back. Um, you had Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, a high work rate over there. And I think uh, WWF kind of only had Brett and Sean and Perfect really working that style, and the rest were kind of characters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a there was a stark contrast yeah. between the two shows and between the two you know the, the two products that the there's no denying that. Yeah, as we see Kamala um, flaunting a hat there from Kimchi. But one, but here's the thing with with that: what one lacked, the other one made up for. Oh yeah, so, for sure. There was a balance. Of, so I mean, the, the WWF had the characters and the stories, okay, yep. and three guys that could work, you know, that style. But WCW had 
25 guys that could work that style and lack the characters in the story. Yeah, for sure. So it was like a balance in some some respects. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Uh, WrestleMania This 9. is the... I think we're watching the WrestleMania video. Yeah. The music video. Pump it uh, up. Produced by... Produced by Simon Cowell of uh, of American Idol fame. Let's uh, let's let's play some of the audio here. stuff down your throat <laughs> I'm just saying the musical portion of today's podcast here on Marking Out Today. Season 3 Raw is 30. Oh! Oh! <laughs> well, the, WrestleMania! The best part is... Uh, Nasty stuff down your throat! Just like that! <laughs> just like that! The best part is that at the beginning it says it's the Survivor Series. Who will survive? Who will survive? And yeah. then it says <laughs> WrestleMania. So yeah, uh, Simon Cowell definitely not watching wrestling but uh, will produce for them. Yeah, no, he had no problem making a buck, that's for sure. Hey, I'd have done the same thing, too, if I was in this position. Yeah. Um, Undertaker, that was absolutely atrocious. <laughs> your singing career is just as dead as your opponents after their matches. They should be buried in the graveyard immediately. <laughs> that's pretty good Simon Cowell. We'll have to bring him back on. As hey, a you know what, I try. I try. Yeah. Um, Speaking of dead and buried, Razor Ramon. Underwent arthroscopic knee surgery and will be out until WrestleMania, but is expected to work the WrestleMania match with Bob Backlund. So, number one, I wasn't aware of this until now, until like reading these notes. So, no wonder why Razor Ramon had a less than 
stellar role on this show, considering where he was a few months prior on WWF programming. Yeah, you couldn't really build it up with him being gone, um, and that's a pretty invasive surgery. So, uh, wow, didn't know that either. But nice he, to know that that's why. At least it wasn't like he was yeah. just getting buried. Um, even though I think he could have had a bigger role at WrestleMania 9. But if, if you're not sure the guy's going to work, I definitely understand it now. And it's also around that time, too, where, you know, the WWF, when it came to WrestleMania, you know, and today's wrestling fan, and I've said this before, but today's wrestling fans, will, will if if they were around 30 years ago, would, would lose their minds, mm-hmm. would... They, they would they would totally it would be mind blown to to realize that these WrestleMania cards and their big pay per view cards there was build up for four maybe five matches tops yeah and the rest were just announced matches that were thrown together and that's how you started your story you know WrestleMania seven had fourteen matches on their card and I would dare to say maybe five of them had build up and backstory and the rest of them. Were just stuff that was thrown together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you said, a lot of the times it'd be a starting point for storylines. Yeah. Which we kind of saw some of that during that COVID WrestleMania a couple of years back, where there was a, most of the matches were, were scheduled and had stories that were you know behind them, but there was quite a few matches on that card on those that two night card that were just kind of thrown together because it was COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I think lack of talent or people getting sick in between, too. Um, Some things had to change on the fly. I I was just thinking about that the other day um, to go back and watch that COVID mania. Maybe give it a try one more time. I hadn't seen it since it originally aired. I watched the Boneyard match with Undertaker and AJ Styles. Okay. uh, Because it was – because – it was a it was a breath of fresh air during that time period, and I think it still holds. It's a it's a testament, you know, that it still holds true today of how good of a match it is. Yeah. The cinematic aspect of it, um, definitely the highlight of that WrestleMania for sure was um, was, was that Boneyard match, and it inevitably being Undertaker's final match of his career up until this point right now. Um, yeah, um, and if you're a belt mark. Uh, if you're watching this along with us, um, the tag team champions have the gray world tag team champions. Uh, it's not the red. I did not notice that. Yeah. It's the regular. Gray where? Like as in the strap? Like no, the leather strap is gray? Where, or? where it said world, it used to be like red, you know? Oh, okay. Where like the globe is. Yes, sir. So now it's like a, sil- okay. it's like a silver platinum gray. Um, yes, yes, yes. I do remember that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's probably at the time where they were just updating their titles. Mm-hmm. You know. Adding a little flair to them. I mean, Shawn Michaels would frequently do it around this time, too, being the Intercontinental Champion. Yes. He, 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 would, he would change colors with the belt. He had teal. He had yellow. He had gold. Um, you know, white. The traditional black leather. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, yeah, it's, it, they... They updated the championships fairly regularly during this time period. I'm guessing too, based on base, it was probably based on 
either the belts were worn out or they had given some of the championships to some of these guys um, to keep his mementos. Like I've heard stories of guys that have had uh, those titles in their possession over Bret Hart, I think, has a few of them in his possession um, that he had originally worn during his time in the WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know I know Conrad Thompson, big podcaster out there from Ad Free Shows. He's a belt mark, and he actually, I believe, owns the or he has an agreement. I think he owns the belts. I think he purchased the original championships through the original belt maker, which was I think Dave Milliken, yep. if I'm not mistaken, yep. or Reggie Parks, either or Reg, Reg Parks. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's, there's two Milliken. guys, but he loans them to WWE when they Need when. Him. They have an agreement where they use them together. Yeah. Interesting. You know, if Conrad's got something going on with a with a with a convention, he'll have the belts, and then WWE will have the belts when they need them, and they they have a working agreement so that like fans get to see them, but they kind of prim- some of them kind of primarily stay in his possession. The um, also okay, so this is kind of interesting. Uh, being a belt mark, there is the the Kevin Von Erich um, NWA Heavyweight Belt. You ever heard of that one? No, I have not. Uh, Kevin Von Erich? I mean, I'm sorry. Kerry Von Erich. I'm so sorry. Kerry Von Erich. Okay. Yeah, so speaking of him passing away, there's a legend that um, the belt that he won, and it's actual proof, you can see it on some old footage, he carved his initials in the globe area of the NWA belt. Oh, okay. So if anybody has that belt out there, that's probably worth something. I would have met, yeah. If, if he doesn't have it. Oh, coming up next. The Mega Maniacs, brother, are going to have audio, a, folks. Yeah, I'll definitely have the audio up for this one. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys know. After, speaking of Kerry Von Eric, there's some there's some news I want to share after we watch this promo. But here we go. Put the audio up. Uh, my guests this week have every intention of being the new World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. Please welcome the Mega Maniacs with Jimmy Take place. 
Sniffing Terry. We're gonna have brand new Nintendo games. We're gonna have brand new posters. 
God, that is a lot to digest. Like Brutus has to after he what sucks Hogan's dick. What the fuck was that? That 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 segment makes Ultimate Warrior reading Mein Kampf like <laughs> fucking national treasure, dude. He's gonna bring all the ten foot hammerhead sharks there, but then he's gonna put the world title belts. Did you see that little slip? World title belts because. Why wouldn't he just yeah. say tag team title belts? Maybe he knew something. But yeah, because Terry brother had that one brewing for a while. He fucking is going to bring all those electric eels and the hammerhead sharks all the way there just so he can put the title belts in their mouths so that they don't It's like an episode of Carmen San Diego. Like, they the went people. everywhere. I drained the chlorine, brother, and filled it up with salt water, dude. From Bangkok to Tokyo to London to New York City. <clears throat> and, uh... <clears throat> then I cut the cactuses, but I'm going to pull their hair out. I went to Kmart to get the tonic and the bleach. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And to save it, to make it not gay at the end, uh, we uh, the female Hawkmaniacs oh are going to rub you down. Not there's anything wrong with being gay, okay? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's make that clear. But, uh, you know. <clears throat> what the fuck? 
Wow. What the fuck? What did we just watch? <laughs> I don't know. I, when I originally watched this uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I thought I was having a stroke. But, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, definitely makes Under Ultimate Warrior look like <laughs> a genius after that rambling. Oh, man. Hogan only gets worse from there as a face, even in WCW. You know? Oh, man. I, 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 I almost want to pause this and, like, take a break. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what was that? A bunch of nothing. I'm sorry, but now I can, now I can honestly, I can honestly sympathize with folks that make the argument that Hogan wasn't that great on the mic based off of just watching that. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it, it gets worse, too, throughout his career. The NWO stuff isn't perfect either. It's a lot of rambling. I'm talking about being on his bike with Eric Bischoff. Uh, I'm talking about some... <laughs> well, not... You know what I mean. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Easy e was riding bitch, brother. He was riding <laughs> bitch, dude. Well, I had a little six-pack in the sidecar, dude. And did you get from his promo, he said he, he, he had a hairpin turn, and then he... He buried his ear in the sand, so basically he wrecked his fucking bike. <laughs> yeah. What the? F- oh my god! I know we just skipped over a Tatanka Shawn Michaels video package that's building up their matches. We see. I was excited for this as Tatanka a Tatanka making his way down to the ring. I still don't understand how we're ever going to be able to recover from what we just watched. Oh man, folks, and the uh, wow. the audio is for review purposes only. Okay, so yeah please i'm not yeah like i don't want any any letters or um any kind of um hate tweets uh because we 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 had you guys endure that um so i apologize for the actions of kobe nida and his insistent um nature of wanting to play that clip because he enjoyed it so much. Um, send all your hate tweets to uh, Kobe Knight on Facebook, <laughs> as you. well as uh, at Cultured Tones on Instagram <laughs> and at RetromaniaPod on Twitter. Thank you. Thank you um, very much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so... Uh, let's try to recover. Let's try to recover here for just a minute here. Um, I got a question I, I for you. I was going to just... Um, the okay. the uh, Tatanka and Shawn Michaels situation. Um, at WrestleMania 9, we see Sherry is in the corner of Tatanka, and Luna is yep. in the corner of Shawn Michaels. Um, yep. Do you think it would have been Marty Jannetty if he had not been fired? Because we, we kind of did yeah. a similar booking, uh, wink, wink, in our upcoming show that you produced on Kicking Out of Two. Yeah, well, it's currently in the archives right now. You can find it there um, by searching uh, Retromania with a W with a do-over. WrestleMania 9, courtesy of Kicking Out of Two. Uh, Kobe and I, you know, we had a lot of fun doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we, we presented two different alternate scenarios at WrestleMania 9 where Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty would meet. I do think that they they wanted to, to, to put some kind of um, finality on their, on their story. Uh, and I, I think, I, I do believe that Wrestle, WrestleMania was... Um, more so WrestleMania 9 than WrestleMania 8. Because people have said that, oh, well, they're supposed to wrestle at WrestleMania 8. And I've heard that story too. But I think they they really had it earmarked for, for 93 in Vegas. Mm. And he 
He was caught sleeping on the job, I guess. Um, the story I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did mention before that that brainwashing Mega Maniacs promo that we just had to listen to, thanks to Kobe, <laughs> uh, that there was going to be some news regarding um, Kerry Von Erich here. A funeral for Kerry Von Erich took place recently. Many Dallas area wrestlers attended, but the only other big names were the Ultimate Warrior, who was a pallbearer, and Brett and Owen Hart. Wow. Warrior had talked about starting a trust fund for Von Erich's daughter since Kerry was broke and left the family with nothing. Um, Global Wrestling Federation plans to do a benefit show in April with all proceeds going to a trust fund for Kerry's daughters. Kevin Von Erich will work the main event, and Fritz will make his first pro appearance in over two years. They will attempt to get cooperation from both the WWF and WCW in hopes that both groups supply wrestlers for the show. Here's another interesting tidbit surrounding Von Erich's death. The Dallas judge who was scheduled to hear Kerry's cocaine possession case was quoted in a newspaper the morning after the death saying that Kerry took the coward's way out. Wow. Which understandably upset a lot of people who felt it was inappropriate for a judge to make a comment like that. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, if that ever fucking got out, oh, he'd, oh he'd man, be that dis- judge would be have been barred. cooked. Yeah. Cancel culture Discord all day. Be, yeah. Oh man, um, that that's crazy. That uh, Ultimate Warrior and uh, Owen and Brett were there. I mean, I mean, it makes sense that you know Carrie Von Erich was called the modern day warrior, and uh, him and Jim Helwig were very close. Um, Yes. Um, while we're on the subject of deaths, there's um, Andre the Giant's funeral service also took place around the same time in Ellerby, North Carolina. It was put together by Andre's longtime best friend and caretaker, Frenchie Bernard. Hulk Hogan, who delivered one of seven eulogies. Vince McMahon, Randy Savage, Brutus Beefcake, Rene Goulet, Pat Patterson, Wahoo McDaniel, Fabulous Moolah, Ivan Koloff, and Rita Chatterton. Chatterton. Yep, the female referee, Rita Marie, the one accusing Vince of rape. And all others attended. Hogan broke down twice during his speech and was visibly upset and spoke about how Andre allowed to allowed him to slam him at WrestleMania 3 to help take Hogan's career to a new plateau. Andre's ashes were scattered at the ranch after the service. But here's the full story on the struggle to cremate his body. His written wish was to be cremated within 48 hours of his death. However, it took about two weeks. First, there was no crematorium in Paris that could fit his body. He was 555 pounds at his uh, his passing Ooh. a 300 pound custom made oak casket was built for him but flights to the u.s had to be repeatedly juggled around because the cargo holds on most airplanes couldn't fit the casket wow when his body arrived in charlotte north carolina they couldn't find a hearse big enough for the casket and they end up carrying it to the funeral home in the back of a truck from there a forklift had to be brought in to get it out after the cremation andre's ashes alone weighed 19 pounds which is double the usual weight of a cremated human being wow yeah. Wow. Did not know that. They didn't include that in the uh, Andre the Giant biography. Well, I'm sure that, I mean, it, it's probably not the most flattering news. Yeah. Um, wow. That's interesting. But the mass of the man, 550 pounds at the time of his death. Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> we got Tatanka here on the mic. Tatanka and Sean. Is he going to spew out any uh, nonsense like Hulk Hogan did? Let's play the audio. Oh, gosh. Oh, wait a minute. That was, a, that was a sexual reference. He said, let's do it now. We've had enough of those on this show. Oh, boy. I just had to shut that off. <laughs> Jesus. What else do we got here in the news? Let me take a look at my notes here. 
Um, on his radio show, Rush Limbaugh said he had been contacted about appearing, appearing at WrestleMania 9 and hadn't ruled it out yet. So far, between 6,000 and 9,000 tickets have been show, sold with the show less than a month away. The venue only holds 15,000, so it should still sell out. But this is the lowest, the slowest advanced ticket sales for a WrestleMania. Wow. While we're on that subject, WrestleMania coming up. I think, they, I think they're projected to hit like 60-something thousand each night, the stadium can hold, depending on the production setup, can hold up to eighty thousand. Wow, um, close to close to eighty thousand. But I think they're going to get right around sixty, which makes it, you know, I think they're going to get six in between sixty and sixty-five, which could get them, you know, to one hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand for both nights. Wow, um, which is a pretty impressive record. Um, but they think that it's going to smash the. The, the ticket records with um, from the previous year, last year, which I believe I believe they hit like 16 million. I think they're going to hit like close to like 18, 19 million, I think, in ticket sales for two nights. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a sight. Uh, that'll be interesting. Are you excited for the two-night event this year? I am because I think that there's, there's, there's better well-told stories. Um than, than last year, and I think under Triple H's um, uh, current regime, I think uh, we could see some special stuff going on at WrestleMania. Let's play the WrestleMania report with me and Gene Oakland because these are always fun. The WrestleMania report is brought to you by IcoPro. More than simple pills or powders, IcoPro is the only complete conditioning program that prepares you for victory. to me like Tatanka is ready for Wrestlemania right now. Cinch him up. We're only one. Count him one week away from the most incredible Wrestlemania ever. Next Sunday, April 4th at 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 4 on the West Coast. Contact the cable company you're watching right now and join us exclusively on pay-per-view cable TV. If John Belushi were still alive, he'd love this. The world's largest toga party will be part of the festivities as Caesars Palace Outdoor Stadium is transformed into a coliseum right out of the ancient Roman Empire. But the attention will be focused on the gigantic double main event. World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, Body Incorporated, locked up with the Mega Maniacs, Hulk Hogan and Bruce the Barber Meatcake, managed by Jimmy Hart. The other half of that double main event the 505-pound Japanese challenger, Yokozuna, managed by Mr. Fuji, meets this man. Right now, it's here from World Wrestling Federation champion, Fred the Hitman Hart. You know, Mr. Fuji, I'm getting just a little sick and tired of how everybody's talking about Yokozuna's going to walk all over me at WrestleMania 9. How I'm the big underdog. And Yokozuna and you are already talking about... The Emperor's going to send you telegrams congratulating you on becoming the next World Wrestling Federation Champion. Well, let me tell you something, Yokozuna. You're talking about losing face. You might lose a whole lot more than your face because you're up against the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. The excellence of execution is in focus, and I will be 100% in Caesar's Palace. I do want to mention here as we're, we're watching this, you brought up the question, you know, you brought up earlier about 
my, you know, my excitement for the upcoming WrestleMania. It's ironic that we're watching this because this WrestleMania is clearly... Oh, let's hold on. Let's play Crush here on a boat. Oh, my God. This is so Bullshit racist. Hawaiian accent. And, of course, wrestling. Today, on my favorite boat, the Bill Collector, me and a couple of my good friends... A Bill Collector? ...and have a good time diving. But at WrestleMania 9, <laughs> it's not going to be a good time for you, Doink. It's payback time for Crush. Not only for what you did to me, giving me the concussion, which almost ended my career, but also for all the kids you have ever made cry. Is he going to bring those to the pool that uh, Hulk Hogan drained the chlorine out of and added the seawater to? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. A lot, of, a lot of aquatic and swimming references in this uh, in this, this episode here. <laughs> um, as I was saying before Crush so rudely interrupted, um, what's interesting is that this is a period of time that we're watching where the WWF was in a bit of a transition. Yes, they went back to the well a little bit with Hulk Hogan, but they were still really fully behind Bret Hart and a lot of the newer guys, Shawn Michaels, Yokozuna, Undertaker, etc. And it seems like what we're watching now with WWE currently, they're not going, they're not, didn't go entirely back to the well. Yes, John Cena will be a part of this WrestleMania. Brock is a regular, so to speak. He's a regular member of the roster. He just is not on TV every week. Same with Roman. But they seem to be going with a lot of their current guys. And they're not really going outside the box with WrestleMania. Last year they had Johnny Knoxville as a celebrity involvement. Pat McAfee. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it seems like this, this WrestleMania that we're watching, you know, this, this WrestleMania we're, we're approaching as well as what we're watching here, um, they kind of run parallel with each other in terms of they're both, the company's in a transition period, especially now with the possibility of a sale um, and under new leadership with, with Triple H. Absolutely. I, I, I can definitely see that. Oh, my God. This embarrassing thing, too. It was, we see the Beverly oh, Brothers. that's right. I forgot about this match. Oh, man. The Beverly Brothers and... Let's just face it. I know that this may sound awful for me to say, but midget sounds better than little person. Yeah. I mean, the other guy with the bushwhackers is no better. Um Oh yeah, that's right. Who? Yeah, I think who'd they have? They um, call him Tiger something. Dink, L- little Tiger Jackson yeah, or Tiger something like Jackson. that, which ended up becoming Dink the Clown. Oh, right. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, <clears throat> or maybe he was Wink or Pink. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Oh boy. Uh, so definitely not a time for tag teams in WWF minus the Steiners coming over from WCW. Um, but speaking of yeah, the Steiners, the Head Shrinkers, Money Incorporated. Yeah, speaking of WCW, really though, about it. they had some good tag teams, Shane Douglas and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And then you also had the new tag team champions, first time ever, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, the Hollywood Blondes, uh, winning, yes. winning on March 2nd 
of this year, but it aired March 27th of 1993. Um, so yeah, big, big time for them there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, uh, short lived though, I would say, because it wasn't, you know, long after, you know, probably about four or five months later when Anderson and Roma, I'm sorry, Anderson and Roma, your favorite pick up the, uh, NWA tag team titles after they've been stripped from, uh, Hollywood blondes. But yeah, they only hold it. Well, Anderson's my favorite. I don't know about Paul Roma, but thanks for, <laughs> for. But yeah, they they only killing the buzz there. The Hollywood Blondes only hold the titles uh, 169 days. Only I say, but yeah, only. Yeah, I mean that's a that's quite the exceptional reign. Yes. For for doing it one time, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the other side of the globe. Uh, the hot team of Terry Gordy and Steve Williams, they're over in all Japan right now, tearing it up. Um, there's also Davey Boy Smith coming over from WCW working with all Japan. He's part of the champions carnival in all Japan at the time. You want to hear some of the names involved with, uh, the 1993 champions carnival, which is a round Robin tournament. Sure. Why not? In hopes that it gives me a wrestling boner. Let's hear it. (laughs) Jun Akiyama, which is one of their guys. Doug Furness. Oh, my God, I'm getting hard. <laughs> Doug Furness, Phil LaFon, Johnny Ace, the, pa- I'm the Patriot, Del Wilkes, oh. Davy Boy Smith, Kenta Kobashi, Akira Tawe, Toshika Kawada, Steve Williams, Terry Gordy, Masawa, and, St- I think I need to use two hands. and Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen. Uh, oh God! Oh, that's it. Yep, right in my pants. Yep. <laughs> Stan Hansen still yep. wrestling. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah, that did it. I should have stopped like <laughs> five names ago. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's. If you said like Fukaoma Sasaki, I would have. Fu- it would have. <laughs> right down my leg <laughs> well I'll, I'll be happy to let you know that uh spoiler alert stan hansen ends up winning the champions carnival in 1993 um so oh shit i think i got my wife pregnant <laughs> not a fan of stan hansen no i'm, I'm just i'm oh, just okay. fucking around i'm, I'm just fucking yeah. around i mean I'm these cool. guys are putting on a, a like a high work rate at the time it's it's a lot of hoss message matches um it's that king's road style that wwf would end up adopting where there's a lot of false finishes at the end of their matches um kicking out of the big moves and then you got to put them away with your your ultimate finisher um so a lot of the ways wwf adopted that style um towards their their bigger matches and championship matches okay well, while, while we're on the subject of Japan, over on the other side of the Japanese wrestling landscape in New Japan, it is rumored that Hulk Hogan's involvement uh, in May yep. with New Japan Pro Wrestling will not be in the form of a tag team match, which it had been rumored as he would was rumored to be teaming with Antonio Inoki, but instead a singles match with the Great Muda, who Ooh. will be inducted into the 2023 WWE Hall of Fame. Yes, indeed. Well, Originally, the WWE... WWF had asked uh, uh, Tenru to work WrestleMania this year in 1993, but he turned it down due to other commitments. Well, let's talk about Muda for a minute here as we go into this WrestleMania weekend. Um, Muda going into the Hall of Fame. Share your thoughts. 
don't 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 get me too excited now with all the Japanese references and <laughs> shit. You know. Um, I, I love it. Muda is actually one of my favorite wrestlers um, of all time. Just the character alone. I loved him since I was a child. Um, big fan of the martial arts and the moonsault. I mean, I, it, the moonsault is undeniable. Um, yeah. And some classic matches that he's had, man. He, um, he, he was, he was, he had that brief run in WCW and WA, and they kind of buried him. Um, but they gave him a little bit of prize, but, um, just throughout Japan, if, if you're a fan of Japanese wrestling, he's had, how'd they bury him? If you don't mind me asking. <clears throat> um, the, he got zero wins in, cause he didn't win the belt and he was on top. I guess so. I mean, they only had him briefly though, you know, it was scattered, but I think later in this year of 1992, 93, when he's great Muda, they, 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 they give him the world. He's the international champion, uh-huh. the NWA champion. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think throughout the 90s, he's synonymous with Keiji Muto, his his real uh, self, and then uh, Great Muta. And then he was a big part of the NWO in Japan. Um, they had a yeah. huger, uh, more of a presence in wrestling than, than you think. NWO was very popular in Japan. And uh, Muda and Chono. Yeah. Oh yeah, still are. Yeah, Muda and Chono were um, respective leaders for Japan, uh, for uh-huh. NWO Japan. Yep. So and then he would um, reinvent himself with like this dragon type mask and slow his pace down because of injury and age. But uh, he 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 literally was the champion of Noah like last year wrestling. You know, yeah. um, and then uh, still mm-hmm. wrestling to this year, he had his bye bye tour um, and wrestled against uh, Nakamura, who is a member of the WWE roster. So it makes sense for them yeah. to honor him and put him in, even though he didn't even wrestle with uh, WWF, but they, they do own the property of WCW. So makes sense overall. Um, Got to give it to him. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll say my first exposure to Muda as a youngster was during his time in, in the w, in WCW NWA um, early on when he was married, managed by Gary Hart. Uh, he was involved in that rivalry with Ric Flair and Sting and Terry Funk was his partner. So that was my first exposure to a Japanese wrestler on American television. Mm-hmm. And it was another case of where, you know, young Dave Rosenbluth thought, you know, that, that he knew he knew all in wrestling so when I would get these magazines, the after mags, and he would be, you know, featured in one of these magazines, and my friends would see, well, who's this guy? I'd be like, oh, he's great Muda. He wrestled Ric Flair at, you know, whatever, Clash of Champions or something, you know. So that was my first exposure to what Japanese wrestling was um, in, in the United States. The, 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 the influx of Japanese wrestlers. Eventually, I'd be exposed to Jushin Liger and uh, a host of other names um, that had come through the pipe. On the American wrestling scene. But yeah, definitely well-deserving. Uh, his style influenced many, uh, especially in the United States. Um, it's unfortunate that during his, you know, in his prime or at some point in his career, he didn't have the opportunity to to have a match or a, a, a short run uh, with with WWF. Um, I mean, could you imagine, kind of garner, could you uh, imagine Muda versus Undertaker? <clears throat> yes. I mean, we've, we, we even kind of. Yeah. 
put that scenario out there yeah. with you know when, when our Hulkamania is dead yeah. uh, series yeah um, that's been shelved for quite some time but yeah Muda Muda involved in um, Muda involved in WWF with the likes of Randy Savage and that would have been some pretty cool stuff um, I'm sure I don't have any notes on me but I'm sure that over the years there had been some discussions or talks of getting him involved in, in some form or fashion I kind of figured. You know, with the rumor of his induction in January that he was going to make a, a, a quick cameo in the Royal Rumble, uh, which would set up his induction. He, he, he gets a, a little FaceTime in the match. Somebody throws him out, and then he goes into the Hall of Fame. Who knows? Maybe he'll have. Maybe he'll do a quick spot at WrestleMania in a match or something. I don't know. Oscar, huh, Oscar. Uh, if, if they Asuka's even do one of those missed. like battle royals, maybe he'll be a part of it. I don't know, but it, nonetheless, very deserving of the honor and. Um, Look forward to seeing uh, his induction. I believe Flair is going to be inducting him. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, I mean, Oscar Oscar sprays the mist, so um, he could possibly do something with Oscar at WrestleMania if he were to make an appearance. Um, That would be kind of cool, like if he were to come out with her, like down the ramp or something like that during her match, mm -hmm. Um, kind of in some way passing the torch, you know. Yeah. Um, Even though it's not really necessary, but, you know, kind of, you just better. You just better. Two of them on. Yeah, you just better hope that the cameras aren't rolling when he calls Nakamura a faggot again. Anyhow, he did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like a. It, it was the press conference after the match. So. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyhow, I didn't see that. Whoops. Yeah. Um. You you mentioned Tenru, correct? Originally, yeah. I guess it's rumored that he was he was asked to to take part in this WrestleMania upcoming and he turned it down due to other commitments yeah he's a little busy he's got he's got wrestling and romance um i think that's his 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 wrestling league that he owns and uh he's working with new japan at the time so they're involved in a heavy uh promotional war kind of the uh the the precursor to what would become njpw new japan against uwfi which is what Eric Bischoff saw and mimicked for NWO. So we're getting a promotional war in uh, New Japan and war over in Japan right now. Interesting. You t- you sh- it's funny that, you know, a lot of these segues we've had on the, on our podcast today, it just happens to work so seamlessly because you just talk about promotional war. The USWA, who is in a working agreement with the WWF, is doing its best business in years as Randy Savage is there <laughs> Playing a heel up against Jerry the King Lawler, although he's still getting cheered in most of the cities that he's booked against Lawler in. Um, I was always curious as to why that didn't spill over into WWF programming. Maybe Savage and Lawler having a rivalry on TV um, on WWF programming, considering that they were involved in a, a a rivalry on USWA program. To me, as a kid. And I didn't have too much knowledge of Jerry the King Lawler before WWF because I, I didn't have access to that footage or just that general mm-hmm. knowledge at the time. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler came off to me as a commentator. So it was interesting to even have him wrestling with, you know, certain people. I just, I, I didn't understand it because um, they... I saw him in the magazines. That's how I knew he was, you know... Uh, an outside wrestling figure, um, the the after mags. So um, it was 
a slight, you know, similar to you know my my stance with Savage earlier was that why is Savage on commentary? I was I slightly felt that way about Lawler too, but there was so much going on in the WWF it didn't Lawler and he was still fairly new to me. Even though I'd seen him in the magazines, he was still fairly new. So I wasn't really sure how to digest Lawler in that type of role at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same. Um, it, it's Speaking of digesting. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just interesting. The USWA working uh, with the WWF because Jeff Jarrett would ultimately work there and come over. And then um, it was a it was a talent exchange, essentially. Um, one, two, three, kid had yep. some time there as well. Apparently, the USWA drew its biggest crowd earlier this week before this show aired, uh, with over, over four thousand people to see the Undertaker take on Giant Gonzalez. Wow! Uh, apparently, the two of them have been doing matches at house shows, and while they've been terrible, um, Gonzalez seems to be a, a solid short-term draw. Um, yeah, so I guess they were. They were they were trying him out, and they were doing him at these USWA shows, yeah. helping USWA's uh, business as well, drawing over four thousand people. So that's interesting. Um, while we're on the subject of um, some new faces, are expected to start with the WWF after WrestleMania. Luna Vachon is rumored to be coming in as Shawn Michaels' valet. A few. Uh, sensational Sherry. Brian Clark, who wrestles for Smoky Mountain Wrestling as the Night Stalker, had also been offered a job and will be getting a new name and gimmick, which eventually Adam becomes Bomb. Adam Bomb. And Kip Sop and Mike Polochepek, known as Billy and Bart Gunn, will be coming in doing a cowboy tag team gimmick. Oh, wow. Look at that. The birth of Billy Gunn. Yeah. Still going by that name. The Ass Man. Yeah. Which is interesting. Didn't, wouldn't the. Uh... WWF own that name? How can he still be going by Billy Gunn? I think he, I think, I think he purchased the 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 he, the trademark to it when the when the trademark ran out and WWF didn't own wow. it. Wow, wow. That's what, so that that's how Santino Morella has been able to do it as well over an Impact. Ah, yes. Which, by the way, oh man, Impact was on such a good roll, and uh, this Santino Morella and. Johnny, uh, whatever, um, Fandango, if you will, Dango. Uh, it's just terrible. They're they're the comic authority figures. So, yeah, thanks for ruining yeah. that one. Uh, <clears throat> at this time, I mean, in WWF in 1993, we don't really have an authority figure, do we? We're kind of transient between Jack Tunney and Gorilla. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack Tunney's still kind of the, the the TV figurehead, if you will. They haven't really adopted that authority figure um, role on their television. A lot of times, you just you know, a lot of times they would refer to matches being put together by World Wrestling Federation officials. Yeah, um, that was the that was, and I think they they they've kind of loosely gone back to that um, while still maintaining a thor- authority of figure and um, WWE's day. current product. Oh, yeah. With Adam Pierce, he's he's labeled as a WWE official, so um, I like with that. other officials that make matches as well. I like that a lot better. Um, keep the authority figure out of it for right now. We've had that for so long to where they have personal vendettas against certain wrestlers. Um, 
kind of keep them yeah. neutral. That, that that's a tired concept. Yeah, keep them neutral. Keep it as a, a sports based presentation, and then have the guys have conflicts within there themselves. Yeah, yeah. But Adam Pierce does does do a a good job, minus the uh, stuff that they had brought him into previously. Now, like you said, I think it's he's more of a neutral role. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I mean it's still like I said acknowledging the authority figure but like scaling it back, not having as much of a a role in the show only when it's necessary, which to some degree Jack Tunney was like that too. It's not like he was on TV every week mm-hmm. and you knew if 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 someone like a Jack Tunney was on TV that something important was going to happen. You know, but then there were times where Jack Tunney's presence on TV could have been felt, you know, in certain scenarios that that had played out you know where was jack tunney when this happened and then you would get a a video from him sitting at his desk and and he would make some edict and some verdict over a controversial end to a match or 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 an angle you know um so it was kind of used at that time when it was necessary it was uh, and i think that's that's the case currently with with adam pierce yeah absolutely um as we are approaching the last eight minutes of this podcast with this watch along here, um, as you see Undertaker and Bam Bam Bigelow going at it, uh, give me some of your predictions WrestleMania wise. What matches are you looking forward to? What do you think we're going to see? Um, and uh, you know, go from there. Definitely looking forward to the main event: Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. Um, I just I. I I guess it's destiny. Cody's going to become the dual champion um, and win at WrestleMania, have his big moment. Um, But then where do we go from there? Does Roman step away for a while? Um, Those are my thoughts and questions concerning that match. Um, And I definitely look forward to seeing John Cena back, Um, maybe Uh passing the torch to Austin Theory in a way. Um Yep. But you never know. They they might just have Cena go over really quick. <laughs> show what they really th- – show what the uh, other regime – Well, it is two nights, yeah. so it's something where, like, they might want to – when it comes to a situation like that, they might want to send the crowd home happy with a Cena victory, but then maybe the next night they do a rematch yeah. of some sorts or Cena does an open challenge with the title. Yeah. And, you know, that's how he loses it, like, the next night. I can know? see that. Could be something like that. Yeah, I I mean, that could be interesting. Um, the other interesting aspect to me is the, um, the the Bray Wyatt. Will he be there or will he not? Um, there's reports that um, some of the matches and angles that they proposed uh, got shot down or that he might be injured. Um, and this whole thing with this return in Uncle Howdy has gone on far too long for me. I told you before I was over the uh, the um, supernatural stuff, and this is just right uh-huh. right back to it, and uh, seemingly leading nowhere. Like they don't know what to do. Um, what are your thoughts on mania and? Um, all right. Well, 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 let me just you know a couple of things you addressed. You know the the, the Roman Cody thing. You know I'm, I've been back and forth on that based on some of the stuff we've seen in the buildup. On one hand. You know, how can you deny Cody's momentum? He's he's hot as a baby face. To me, he's their next John Cena. But like the fans will act, the, the the male audience will actually like him. Mm. You know, he's he's 
The guys think he's cool. The girls love him. Kids love him. He he identifies with all demographics. Um, you know, I was at the Royal Rumble in Texas, and they legitimately sold out of Cody Rhodes merchandise. Wow. I can't tell you wow. how many of those little like the the you know Cody has that weight belt that he wears and he gives it to the fans. Well, they had a kids version of it with like a Velcro snap on, and I can't tell you how many how many kids I saw with that thing. I mean, like the logo and the merchandise and the marketing behind him. Like he's gonna be making, he's gonna be printing John Cena money, in my opinion. Like I think he's like their, their, this era's version of John Cena. But like I said, the male audience might actually like him, you know. Um, so he he will, you know, as long as he's not crammed down our throats. And I think, you know, they've been careful in how they book him so that the audience doesn't reject him and turn on him. Um, so how can you deny that momentum? That he has, but at the same time, you know, Roman is is still a hot commodity, and this bloodline angle has been, in my opinion, the most successful long term storyline they've had in the last decade. Yeah, the last decade, the best thing they've put out. <coughs> and you know, there's this lingering issue he has with Jay that that stems from the Sami Zayn thing, um, and it looks like that they might be leading to that following WrestleMania. But the question is. Do they want to put? Do they want to? Do they want to keep Roman as champion so he can hit the thousand day mark and be put up there in the conversation with Hogan and Backlund and Bruno, um, and sacrifice Cody's momentum, or do they have Cody be the one to dethrone him and then Roman moves on, you know, maybe takes a break but moves on to um, this bloodline saga with Jay because it looks like that's where they're kind of. That's the direction they're headed. In my opinion, me personally, I've been back and forth whether Roman wins or whether Cody wins. But I think at WrestleMania, regardless of that finish, I think we see Jay finally pull the trigger and turn on his cousin Roman. Okay. Now, I don't know if that's based on the – I don't know if that's going to happen before the match or if it's going to happen after the match or it's going to be the reason why Roman loses the match. But I think at WrestleMania, after those two nights – we will we will see a, de, a a definitive split within that group, and on one side you have Roman, on the other side you have Jay, and I think that's going to lead to what happens in the summer. Mm. Um, Cena in theory, I discussed that. Um, what was the other one? Um, Bray Wyatt. Oh, Bray Wyatt. I think he'll have some involvement in the show. Uh, I don't think it will be a match, but I think we'll have some type of an appearance, and I think whatever he does is going to set up his his rivalry in the springtime, um, uh, whether that's revisiting something with Bobby Lashley, maybe doing something with Brock Lesnar, even though it had been rumored that Brock turned down working with him. I don't know, but I think Wyatt will be involved in some form or fashion as, as part of WrestleMania, a run-in, or maybe leads to an impromptu match i don't know but i can't see him not having a presence on that show on either of the nights yeah i mean all that stuff is kind of comparable to what we're seeing right now with giant gonzalez and undertaker it's just like (laughs) someone laughing and staring at the screen like oh god we'll see what happens hopefully he'll make an appearance this was a this was an interesting episode um you know especially with Brett not being on the card, Yoko having that big match to make him look strong, but um, I think Brett might have should have had a match on here too, to kind of get. Um, I mean, they also position that that wrestling challenge segment to, as it as it took place that weekend. So this this show aired on the Sunday evening. Okay. 
and Wrestling Challenge took place on a Saturday. So I'm guessing that leaving Brett off the show was to sell the the effects of Yokozuna's attack from earlier that weekend. Yeah, I can see that. Well, that was that, pal. We got like a minute left, essentially. Yeah, Bobby Heenan, uh, Vince McMahon in front of the green screen, uh, getting you getting you set for WrestleMania. I actually just watched the episode of Superstars from April the third, which is the day before WrestleMania. Whoa, skipping ahead where there. It's Paul. hosted by Vince, Randy Savage, and Jerry Lawler. Um, that that took place um, that weekend, and they're at Caesar's Palace. So it's like a special edition where they're like on location for WrestleMania. So it was actually kind of cool to watch it. Uh, maybe something you guys can go back in the archives and check out. Yeah, is that the one well? where they have but, uh, uh, Sean with the crotch shot? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. I, de- I yeah, definitely think. I, I uh, actually have a picture of that that I I'm, I don't know. Did I send it to you? I don't think so. But yeah, Vince McMahon was definitely no, directing that one. I'll have to send one. it to you. And then do with it as you will. Yeah, thanks. But, um, <laughs> this is a lot of fun, dude. Yeah. This, this watch along's over. For those of you keeping score, keeping track here, uh, March to WrestleMania 9 as we get you, you know, pumped and ready to go for, for WrestleMania. You can check out my show, Kicking Out of Two, in the archives as I'll be dropping um, uh, WrestleMania Urban Legends. Justin joins me as we're going to go back and discuss some of the more urban legends in, in WrestleMania history um, and how that could have affected uh, potential WrestleMania events of the past, as well as a bonus show. Dennis gets a redo. Dennis gets to choose which WrestleMania match we watch. And he has chosen Randy Savage, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. We'll oh, nice. preview some of the WrestleMania card, as well as watch that match from WrestleMania 4. Dennis tells me why he hates, why he loved the Million Dollar Man as a kid, as well as why he thought Randy Savage's title run during that era was bullshit. So check that out in the archives as we've got plenty of WrestleMania content for you. All up in the streams, getting you set for the upcoming WrestleMania this weekend. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun. Thanks, Dave. And thank you all for listening. Continuing to like, share, and subscribe if you want this network to keep growing. Um, Check out the shows with AC and all the content in the archive. Um, Hundreds of hours of content, evergreen, for your ears. Dave, uh, I guess we'll we'll rodeo up and uh, decide... April's episode for marking out the days. Raw yeah. is thirty. That's 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 on you, pal. I I, I I I selected the last couple, so you take the reins. Whatever episode you want to watch, we'll, we will watch it. So I'm going to let you decide this month for for the month of April. Awesome, folks. Stay tuned and uh, keep up with us. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, and have a good WrestleMania weekend. All right, sweet.